0: Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents, you're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by R.J. Bates III. Here's R.J.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, R.J. Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Adam Mo. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm <laughs> doing good, RJ. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell everybody what it is you do in real estate? Well, I, um,
0: I run a company here in Newark, California called Rainbow Funding and Realty. We do real estate loans, buying and selling. We are 30 minutes away from San Francisco, 30 minutes away from San Jose, and 10 minutes from the most expensive zip code in the nation. And if uh, if we have time, we'll talk about what that is and how much those homes go for.
1: Absolutely. Um, it, it's funny because uh, a couple of years ago, I went on vacation and I actually, I, I toured all that. I did the whole touristy thing where I went to San Jose and San Francisco and uh, fell in love with the area. Love it. Um, love San Jose more in San Francisco, which was a little bit surprising to me, but I'm from Fort Worth, Texas and San Jose and Fort Worth are very similar. So, um, I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts about the real estate market out there and, and what's been going on? What are you seeing going on in those markets?
0: Well, so uh, in my opinion, the market out here is the hottest market in the nation. And I think that the, the debt. Gotta backs that up right now. Uh, I was looking here in Newark, California. The uh, average house price in January was eight hundred and forty-three thousand, a three-bedroom, one-bath. Uh, that that's the average. That was in January. It's now March twenty first at three twenty p.m. And the average house price now is nine hundred and fifty three thousand. So within two and a half months, it's gone up ten over ten percent, and it it doesn't look to be slowing down here. I mean, certainly I've heard that we are in a bubble, and if that's the case, this bubble has gotten awfully, awfully big. <laughs>
1: What do you think is driving that, that increase? Is it just ever? It's so competitive and it's so hard to get a, a property right now that everything's just going above asking? Or what do you think is driving that, that bubble that you say?
0: So a, a few things. One, I, I used to live in uh, China. I lived in China for about five years. And uh, one of the places I lived at was Shanghai. And I don't know if you've ever been to Shanghai, but uh, you can go to the tallest building in Shanghai. Look out and not see the end of the city the uh, it is the horizon goes on forever uh so uh in these countries uh uh, countries like india and china where a a lot of the um the growth here in the silicon valley is happening it's happening because people from those countries are coming here uh since they build straight up and they have little space in backyards uh home space and whatnot it's it's a different type of environment so to uh, I think that there's an understanding that property and especially the amount of property you get is at a premium here. The population growth is huge. So if you can get property now before everything has to be uh, built straight up, then you're going to have a yard it's going to be worth more. So I think that's Uh, that's the first reason, and I think it's because of the influx of people who are coming in to understand the value of property. I think the second reason um, is that the Silicon Valley, I've been told, is the land of ideas, Uh, (laughs) and it's one of the few last refuges where you can uh, come up with a, a an idea like a uh, sleeper wire sleeper bot and we'll talk about these things uh but you can come up with an idea and then get a building built and and make a million dollars so uh, i i don't know if this is true because i don't live in other places but this is what i've been told and the third reason and probably the most important is everybody here makes a hundred thousand dollars minimum
1: right and i think that's probably you know one of the largest factors is, is that, <laughs> you know, the income level is, is high. But, um, with, with that being said, it, 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 you as a realtor, when you're working with your clients, how do you, how do you even suggest what they should do? Like if I was a listing agent, w- when do you make the decision on to accept an offer or not? Uh, because it, it seems like it's so competitive and there's so many multiple offers. I mean, I know, I know several, real estate investors and they talk about it, you know, they buy a distressed property and and put it on the MLS without doing any work to it. And they're getting offers, you know, six figures plus over asking price, multiple offers, all cash. I mean, how do you ever make the decision when to accept the offer? Wow. That's a great question. And really, I mean, it's obviously dependent on
0: the property, but I can tell you that I just sold the most expensive property in the city here that I live in and that property was listed at 1.3 million and it was sold at 1.4 million, no contingencies
1: with six months rent back for free. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is a dream come true kind of offer. (laughs) That's That is, that's unbelievable. And so, yeah, I I could see, but is that a typical type of offer or is that just a one-off scenario? I think you're seeing almost everything go over asking.
0: I mean, everything that I have looked at has gone over asking when I was doing my comparables, almost everything that that was sold was over asking. Now I'm not sure about six digits, but, uh, certainly, uh, 20 to 50,000. I mean, I would say that's the minimum of what you're getting over asking a lot of, uh, a lot of offers are coming in, no contingencies. I mean, that's that's a standard operating procedure right now. As a matter of fact, I just had an offer we accepted today and the argument was over the appraisal contingency because the sellers didn't want it. They realized how fast the market is moving. And so people are now... Uh, selling their property at anticipated values as opposed to what the appraiser will actually appraise it for today because what's appraised for in March is going to be different than what's appraised for in July and it's going to be significantly different.
1: And before we started the interview you were telling me you also recently sold the cheapest property in, in your market (laughs) <laughs> and, and talk about that a little bit on the price point it went to and what kind of contingencies were on that deal. So we listed this property at 650000 cheapest
0: property in the city. It's a three-bedroom, one-bath. It had probably uh, three buildings built in the back that were not up to code, eight-foot-tall ceilings with running water. One had a urinal in it. Uh, just things that didn't make sense. It, and they were cemented in. So it would have cost at least 100000 for a contractor to get all of this stuff that was built in the backyard out. And, <laughs> and we ended up selling it for $700,000
1: cash after getting four cash offers. Wow. Are you seeing that the sellers now, like when you represent a seller, Are you seeing that they are coming more knowledgeable about what's going on and they have these high expectations on what they expect, like the no contingencies and they're wanting, you know, a cash offer or above asking price offer? Are you seeing that? I am, Uh, I'm I'm seeing much more intelligent sellers and buyers,
0: uh, especially things like, uh, you know, uh, investors that have come through and flip properties. A lot of them are actually coming through and saying, look, you represent me. Uh, They're just deciding to not have an agent because that way they're able to go from home to home, agent to agent and get the agent to represent and dual represent both sides in order to persuade them to sell the property to them. Uh, Clever. and smart. Uh, so I think that uh, you were seeing much more savvy buyers. Uh, I think the sellers are uh, becoming more savvy, but certainly they weren't a year ago or two years ago when people were just uh, hoarding up all the properties. I mean, apartment complex is selling for 2 million with four or five uh, units in them.
1: So you touched on something. I want to go back to that. Um, majority of our listeners are real estate investors. And so, but not everybody lives in the hottest market in the United States, <laughs> you know. But there is a tactic that you just spoke on that I think everybody needs to realize what you were saying there. So they're going and they're finding a house that's listed on the MLS, and they are then approaching the listing agent and saying, I want to put in an offer and I want you to represent me as well as the seller this is a tactic like you said it's it's clever and it could persuade the seller and that agent to want to work with that buyer um, because there could be less fees as far as they don't have to pay, pay a buyer's agent and that listing agent will probably then discount their commission to the to the sellers and it it could just make your offer stronger compared to going and getting your own agent to represent you. So, yes, that is a very clever tactic, and it could be very successful in a market that's maybe not as hot as the the Bay Area.
0: Right, so. right. I mean, just crunch the numbers on it, right? Let's say you're, you're listing a property. If you're me, and I'm listing a property here, and it's $700,000, and I say, okay, well, I need to pay the other agent 2.5%, and I want to make 2.5%, well, now that's a 5.5% commission that's going out but if i was to represent both sides i would cut down two percent that's fourteen thousand dollars and i'd make it three and a half percent i mean that's and that's standard and that that even may be high you could probably even go lower than that so you're saving by doing what he's suggesting by doing what rj's suggesting you're saving your clients over ten thousand dollars almost every time
1: right and so it, it that's a that's a very powerful tactic and like I said it, it doesn't just have to be done in a hot market. It can be even it it could actually quite possibly be even more successful in a not hot market mm-hmm. um because they they're probably not seeing that as much. Uh part of the reason why you're seeing that in the Bay Area like you said is because it's so hot uh people are now getting a little bit desperate and they're they're attempting to to try tactics that maybe they didn't try a couple of years ago. Um, so that that's very interesting to hear that. Um, are there any other things that you've seen over the past couple of years in the Bay area that have just changed drastically aside from obviously the appreciation and things along those lines, but is there anything else that's going on in, in your market that you see that's different now than a couple of years ago?
0: I think, I mean, clearly the, the population has changed. Uh, the The people have changed and the, what people here expect has changed. So, Uh, As your market grows and as you become more valuable, uh, you get a a different sort of people that move in. So a lot of things like school boards and and city councils are getting a lot of pressure. And I think uh, those are two really good ways to get involved with the community by going to city council meetings, by uh, shaking hands, right? It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. So some good things to do, in my opinion, as an investor is to go to these uh, meet and greets, especially in small towns, because you're going to meet local real estate. agents, going to meet people who possibly are putting their home on the market or maybe don't want a real estate agent. They're going to put their home on the market themselves. And you could swoop that up before it even hits.
1: Gotcha. Um, One thing I'm curious about is when you, we've talked about when you're the listing agent and you're representing the seller, but when you're representing a buyer, do you ever have your clients be concerned about the fact that there's such a pressure on not having any contingencies or an inspection period to, to do their due diligence on the property? Is, is that a concern for the buyers? It, uh, yes,
0: yes and no. A majority of my buyers uh, are are similar to, I think, your listeners, uh, very smart people who want to buy low. So I don't get, personally, I don't get a lot of buyers that are coming out here saying, okay, I want to spend a million dollars. I get a lot of sellers uh, out here who are saying, I want to sell for a million dollars. And that's that's the market right now. It's a seller's market, so I'm fortunate in that. But a lot of buyers, what they're doing is they're doing things like land banking, or they're trying to buy out in uh, places like Gilroy, Sacramento, two hours away. I actually heard a story about a man from Oregon who every day... Flies back and forth to the Bay Area because he bought a home in Oregon for two hundred thirty thousand two acres, two hundred thirty thousand, and he figured that if he flew Monday through Friday every day for five years, that cost of those flights would still be cheaper than buying a home here in the Bay Area.
1: Wow, that i don't know if i technically agree with his decision um that's not something i would do for myself but uh, uh, that's an interesting choice uh but that's that's crazy that people are having to make that decision for themselves you know i mean uh, that it frankly is a, a little bit frightening for what is eventually going to happen in the market so I guess let's talk about that. Is that a fear of people that live out there that eventually this this bubble is going to correct itself or there's going to be a shift in the market? Is that a concern for you guys?
0: A majority of agents uh, are not concerned about this that, that I have found, and I, uh, I I used to write for the newspaper here, um, and I two years ago I was writing, you know, this is this is it. This is it's going to to burst the bubble's going to burst uh and i had several uh agents tell me that's not going to happen because the um amount of money that people make here justifies the loan they make more than enough most homes here have two incomes and each person is making a hundred thousand dollars so the the income is more more than enough the only way that i see this bubble correcting itself at this point right now is if the jobs dry up but with google making a new campus with apple making a new campus facebook is 10 minutes from me and they just bought i think 10 square miles of of land over there by the marsh and they're building an entirely new building so uh, it's insane the uh, uh the amount of jobs that are here and the amount of salaries that can be produced so no nobody i know i or at least that i've talked to recently believes the bubble's going to burst they do believe it will correct itself with interest rates and eventually it'll level right. off but nobody nobody that i know thinks it's going to just falter and fall down
1: it's so funny because in in my world where you know I, I run with all these investors and we're in facebook groups and there's conversations about this across the country um, everybody that is in the bay area they they echo what you just said it's like no we're good everybody that's outside the bay area is like nah the bay area is coming down the bubble's gonna burst like it's gonna happen and it it is funny because like you said i mean when when you really think about it the amount of opportunity and money that is there it it shouldn't unless something outside of the real estate world like that affects our economy that would quite possibly (laughs) impact it but um i I think there would be a slight there will probably be a slight correction across the board i I don't think that's just where you guys are i think that's everywhere you know dfw where i'm at is also extremely hot market not quite at the price points that you guys are at Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've seen that high level of appreciation as well and i I think we're experiencing a slight correction we're starting to see the multiple offers and and no contingencies slow down a little bit so I think that's just across the board. Um, so I, I know you have a, quite a few interests outside of real estate, and I, I thought it would be fun to kind of throw those in. Uh, you talked about living in, in China for a while. Um, <laughs> Why well, don't want you go into that? What what took you to China?
0: Oh, this these are good stories. Uh, so uh, originally, I, I went to college in Colorado, but I was born and raised here in California. So uh, I got in my car one day, and it broke down in Colorado, and I decided to go to college there. So uh, there's where I spent the next four years, um, uh, let's say, expanding my mind. What what college? Uh, I went to Metro State. Okay. And uh, my very first job outside of college, once I got my teaching credential, I wanted to be a teacher. And the end goal for me here, and I think it's important for everybody to have an end goal, but the end goal is for me to start my own school. Uh, so I... Uh, I got my my degree, and my very first job was at the Red Rocks Amphitheater directing traffic uh, with you know the flags. Hey, come park over here. Come park over here. And I was you know a person just uh, with a with a degree, and I thought, what did I pay twenty thousand dollars for this degree for? So. Um, I decided that month that I would get on a plane and uh, go to China. So I, I did. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I didn't even, I didn't know the language. I didn't even look at a map. And when I got there, somebody came up to me and they said, Hey, 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 Lao Wai, which means uh, white man. He said, Hey, Lao Wai, I'll give you uh, 200 RMB if you give me uh, 100 American dollars. And I thought, two to one. What a great deal. This is how little I knew. So, uh, <laughs> so I ended up, um, sorry. Uh, so I ended up, uh, uh being in China and, uh, and kind of learning the language, learning the people. And, uh, and from there, uh, uh, taught for a few years, got a, a couple master's degrees in education and, and uh, came back to the United States. I, I got a master's degree in Australia, and I got a master's degree here in uh, Cal State Hayward. So I uh, taught for about 10 years, and now I'm doing real estate. And while doing real estate, I have another interest that we can get into if you want.
1: What, what is that interest?
0: Okay, well, let's talk about some fantasy
1: football. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about fantasy football? Because I know a lot. You know a lot about fantasy football. I know that I am the master at winning the regular season and losing in the playoffs. <laughs> that That is my history. I have only one I, and I, I will tell you most people tell tell me r j, you know more about football than any human possibly should. And in my career, in all the fantasy football leagues I've ever done, I've only won one championship in my life. I, I get killed when it comes to the week 15, 16, 17 matches, matchups. Well, well, let me tell you, I always win. <laughs> <laughs> you always win?
0: Uh, come on, he's, sh- he's showing off. <laughs> here I am, here I am dusting it off my shoulder. I know you can't see <laughs> me, but, it, but it's happening. Uh, so... Uh, I, I run a I run the only uh, a charity fantasy football show, and we are a radio show on Dash Radio. We're a podcast similar to you. It's called Sleeper Wire, and you can check out more about it at sleeperwire.com. It's really uh, my passion, right? Real estate is my profession, and uh, Sleeper Wire is definitely my passion. We do it all uh, to help one guy, and uh, we try to help him with his bills because he suffers from chronic Lyme disease, and it's a very... Very difficult disease for uh, uh, him and the cost of his bills are high so every single cent that comes into sleeper Wire goes directly to uh, Rob and you can learn more about him at www.sleeperwire.com but uh, that's uh, that's the whole goal and we've got 12 different guys on there who are all champions and they put out a show every single day of the season five days a week a podcast is what they do wow. the season yeah really hard workers
1: that's pretty cool so uh, what about fantasy football and and giving back to someone like how did you come up with that idea because that's you know i have my nonprofit beat kids cancer i've talked about it before here on the podcast Um, but i've never thought of correlating like my passion like you know something like football or sports related to giving back how did you come up with that idea
0: i i think the way that most people come up with ideas and that is you see somebody doing it and you tell yourself I can do this better than them. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, so we ended up, uh, uh, seeing some other industry professionals doing it and saying we could do it better. And as we started doing it better, we, we actually got a group of guys from this app called SleeperBot, And, uh, and none of us have ever met each other. There's twelve of us, but we all got together and decided to start a radio show. And that's kind of how the podcast has started. So we've been together now three years, twelve guys who didn't know each other, but one of them happened to have Lyme disease and was Rob. Rob and we said, you know what? Let's let's turn this into something bigger. So and we did. And now we're one of the top ten fancy football shows in the nation.
1: That is awesome. So do the 12 of y'all play in one league together? <clears throat> we we do, and I always win. You always win. So <laughs> I'm going to go check on this. I, I'm i going to find a way to ask the rest of the, the host if you always win. You, you don't want to
0: ask them. You just have to take my word for it.
1: <laughs> All right. So for our listeners, uh, if you had to give one fantasy football tip, what would it be? Oh, that is a a great question. If I had to give one fancy football tip, uh, it would be draft RB heavy. Huh. Okay. Maybe that's my problem. It's funny. People say that. But, you know, the running back's like a, a dying breed in the NFL. So is that why you, you want to draft running back heavy? Because there's, there's very you, want, few, you want to make sure you get the good ones?
0: Yeah, there's very few... Uh, Sol, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara type running backs, right? A lot of them are running back by committee. So if you draft a, a few good running backs, they will outproduce everybody else's running backs and you'll score much more points at that position. There you go.
1: All right. So the, there's our rabbit trail for the day. Um, <laughs> we, we have officially talked about China uh, getting uh, master degrees in other countries and now fantasy football. Those are all first timers for. Uh, the type <laughs> of the well, let's let's so. talk about Atherton. This is yeah. Like- is that the is that where the most expensive houses are?
0: Most is, is expensive
1: that, zip code
0: in the entire nation, and when I talk to locals here, they don't even know it, right? Uh, a lot of people, what's the most expensive zip code? Beverly Hills, right? Beverly Hills isn't even in the top twenty, I don't think. Uh, there's places in New York that are much more expensive, but Atherton, number one in the nation. So I'll give you a, a, a guess.
1: Hold well, on, hold on, real quick. I want to, I want to see if my knowledge stands correct if I was taught correctly. So I did one of those little uh, tour buses where you sit on top and they take you all around San Francisco. Is this directly on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge away from San Francisco? No.
0: No, this is next, basically next to Redwood City and Palo Alto, so it's far enough removed that you're not actually in the city, but you're right next to it.
1: They lied to me on my (laughs) San Francisco tour, I'm just saying, and I'm going to ask them for my money back because they told me it was on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge.
0: Well, I mean, it depends on what side you're on. If you're on one side of the Golden Gate Bridge, it's going to be on the other side.
1: I guess that is true. I guess you are right, but I'm pretty sure the way I'm describing this in my head that they lied to me. All right, so tell me about this. How expensive are houses out there?
0: Let's let's take a guess. Let's take a guess. What do you think?
1: Average home oh. price. Oh my goodness, Adam! I'm supposed to look knowledgeable on the show. Remember, I'm not. <laughs> you can supposed cut this actually... part out. You can cut it out. It's fine. Post edit. <laughs> I'm not actually supposed to talk this much. That's how I look knowledgeable <laughs> to my guests or to my <laughs> listeners. Um, if I had to guess, um, I mean, I really want to throw out like a massive number. I, I mean, it's supposed to be the most expensive. So I, I guess on average, I'm going to say seven and a half million. You're close?
0: You're close, and you're the closest. Uh, it is Some people were saying things like 20, 50 million. It's 10 to 12 million dollars on average, almost every house across the board. Uh, when I wrote an article about it, it was uh, the article was titled, uh, "Your house is worth
1: a bathroom in Atherton." Uh, so wow. That's, cool, uh, <laughs> <Ten> <laughs> that's a pretty cool title. $10 million. Uh,
0: 164 days is how long they lay they last on the market. They just stay out there forever. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody buys. Somebody comes out and spends $10 million. And from my understanding, it's not even really to own it and to live there. It's uh, status. It's a status thing. Mm.
1: So is that like celebrities or or top notch executives or is it just
0: my my understanding? And I don't know. I, I don't know who lives there, but my understanding is when people like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump come to visit the Bay Area, they stay in That's homes in
1: Atherton. Gotcha. Have you ever sold a house out there? No, and
0: I've been told it's a uh, it's a good old boy. Uh, gotcha. That's it. You have to be in, and I I'm at the million dollar range. I don't even know what the ten million (laughs) dollar range looks like.
1: So I was going to say, I mean, there has to be like a a different way that you have to market those properties, even though the price points are higher out in California. I mean, I'm assuming the marketing that you do for like a million dollar house in California is similar to what we would do for like a three to five hundred thousand dollar house here in Texas. But once you get to those levels, so. I mean, your, your marketing has to go to a whole nother level. Um, it would actually probably be kind of fun to just look those up and, and see what they do as far as photos and videos and things like that.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. You can give it to your listeners. Listeners, you now have homework.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I always like to ask people, um, and and I'm actually really I think you kind of gave it to us earlier, but I always like to ask people what their why is, and and the reason why I ask that is I think it's important for everybody to know, um, from successful entrepreneurs and people in the real estate world, you know we do a lot of uh, a lot of things that, you know create money for us, but a lot of times it's more than just money, and so. Uh, you mentioned earlier that one of your end goals is to eventually build a school. Um, is that your why or are there other things that are kind of the driving force behind, you know, trying to create success for yourself?
0: Sure. Uh, and and money is never a, a, a why, I don't think. And I, I listen to motivational speeches and whatnot. I try to every day, things that are going to lift you up and they, they talk to you about, uh, you know, things like there's a bigger dream and it's just waiting for you to step into it uh, and i think these things are, are true and my my why as it is right now is uh, to make a better life for my family but uh professionally yes i want to start a school and i want to start a different type of school than uh what's out there i've heard several uh new types of schools that are Starting And I don't want to bore your investor listeners. So uh, my, my <laughs> professional why is definitely to start uh, school. And I think I need to raise a million dollars here in real estate in order to do that. And I, I think when your, when your why is attached to something bigger than yourself, your why is something that helps people. Uh, I think you have a greater chance of attaining it than if it's just money uh, or just I want to, you know, succeed. I I think uh, giving back is the best way to receive, if that makes any
1: sense. Absolutely. And I think as entrepreneurs, um, when when you achieve a certain level of success and you do start giving back, you realize that. And it almost becomes a new passion and and a new obsession. I I know it did for me. Um, The first time I ever gave back to someone, it was because I was in a position, um, not financially to actually do it, but I was in a position where I said, I'm making the decision for our company that we are going to give back to somebody because it's weighing so heavily on me and immediately after doing it we saw all kinds of unforeseen success yes and it was just like i don't even know where this business is coming from i mean we did the phones were ringing off the hooks and they you know just leads were coming in and 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 not that it's like now i i give back because i'm hoping that we get some unforeseen business but it was just that you know natural law of karma or or whatever it is out there it just it made me feel it was like proofs in the pudding and and because i did it it was like okay now i i want to keep doing that regardless of whether or not it increases my life but just the feeling of giving back to someone and then continuing to create something within my business so i can keep giving back um it just became a a obsession of mine and and for everybody within my company so I, i very much appreciate you sharing that because uh, creating a school and in a different kind of school, we won't go into too much detail about it, but that, that sounds like something that, um, you know, is needed. I mean, I think everybody out there sees flaws within our education system right now. I mean, we have people coming out of school and they don't know how to pay taxes and they don't know what a credit card is or, or their credit <laughs> score or how to buy a house. Um, sure. You know, I've, I've talked about that a lot where it's like, <laughs> you come out of school, you don't know how to buy a house. That's kind of important. You need to know how to to acquire something to live in. Or balance. I mean, a we all need a place to live in. <laughs> so right. uh, it's those are things I've talked about in the past, and and I think there's there's problems in our education system. So for whatever changes you're going to make, as long as they're for the better, um, I, I I'm right there supporting you with it. So for our listeners who want to reach out and they want to contact you, what's the best way they can reach you?
0: Uh, so uh, obviously I. I wear a lot of hats. So uh, if you want fantasy football advice, uh, you can reach out to Sleeper Wire. It's on Twitter. Facebook uh, sleeperwire@gmail.com. you can go to uh, the website www.sleeperwire.com certainly would would love to see you there as I said that's a passion project and uh, 17 million fantasy football players is going to trump my piddly little hundred thousand people that I can reach in my real estate business and if you are interested in uh, reaching out to my real estate business rainbowfunding.com Adam Mo you'll you'll certainly find me online just uh, look me up You'll see a picture of me and my beautiful daughter, uh, Octavia. I love you,
1: and uh, happy early birthday by the time you hear this. Awesome. I love it. Adam, thank you so much. Uh, this was a, a great interview, and uh, for everybody that's listening, uh, I totally blew Adam off like five times <laughs> due to the real estate world being crazy. And so in front of everybody, Adam, I am so sorry for blowing you off as many times as I did. Uh, I'm but, sure hey, there's a joke for summer. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for sharing everything that you shared with us today, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Go out and make
0: great things.
1: Go out and make great things. I love it. All right, man. Thanks. Bye.